The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. And welcome to Farty Towels, a Faulty Towers podcast here on the SJP World Media Network. My name is Sai, and this is episode four of the podcast, looking at the hotel inspectors from season one, episode four of Faulty Towers, first broadcast on the 10th of October, 1975, many, many years ago. Joining me as the same as last week is my eldest daughter, Anya, to talk about an episode that many many people really enjoy but you didn't enjoy it quite as much as other people online i don't think can you no i do not particularly like this episode compared to other people who do so interesting yes interesting it's gonna be it's gonna be intriguing to find out uh find out why i guess really um as i said we're looking at the hotel inspectors there's a few people in this episode that are known for various other roles, the main one being Bernard Cribbins, who plays Mr. Hutchinson. He has been in all sorts of stuff, most famously Doctor Who very recently and then passed away, uh, well, very recently as well, sadly. But yeah, he's probably the main recognisable star. There is a character by the name of Mr. Walt in this as well, who has been in all sorts of stuff, all creatures great and small and loads of classic television going back decades. Uh, And then we have, of course, the usual cast of Basil, Sybil, Polly and Manuel. Uh, The basic gist of this episode is that there are hotel inspectors in town. Uh, a th- three of them going around and you know basically doing their work inspecting hotels putting it in a in a magazine or a book reviewing the uh, uh, places that they visit and basil is desperate to impress them and he gets the wrong end of the stick a couple of times with regards to you know people in the hotel being the inspectors when they are not and the main one being of course mr hutchinson who is how can we put this politely a bit of a dick I can agree with that one, yeah. (laughs) He's a bit of a pain in the ass, isn't he? Um, We'll begin, Anya, at the very beginning, as we should. Basil is in the office, and he wants to sit down and have a cigarette. But Sybil is on the phone, on the front desk. And (laughs) I think, again, we get a little insight into their relationship here. Basil goes out to get a match to light, well, pick up the box of matches to light his cigarette. Sybil takes the box off him and gives him one match rather than let him take the take the boxes with him. And then when a customer arrives, she won't stop smoking and talking on the phone. She insists Basil deals with them, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean, it's just, this episode's all over the place, but it starts off quite funny, just her being Sybil, I guess. Yeah, she's, um, well, we established in, in our previous chat, didn't we, last week, that the character of Sybil is, is pretty damn lazy, let's be honest. And, <laughs> and also very bossy, And but again, we, we couldn't really decide if she was like that because of being married to Basil, or if she's got that way, you know, because of the time she spent with him, or if she was like that beforehand. We couldn't really figure it out, could we? No, if I was married to Basil, I'd, I'd probably be the same, so I don't mm. blame her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough 
Uh, Basil is uh, called out to serve a customer who turns out to be Mr. Hutchinson. And we have a little bit of a back and forth here with him and another customer who arrives as well. And they're looking for a pen. But because Basil's always losing the pens, Sybil has put them in a box and written pens on the top. Basil argues it looks more like it says Ben's. And we get the first insight, I guess, to how Mr. Hutchinson is just a pain in the ass because he's he's insisting upon various things that are probably quite well, quite unusual and unrealistic requests, I would suggest. You stay in a hotel or a B&B or anything like that. Would you really be nagging the owner to hand draw you? A map when there's a map available um no unless you're like a vip cast then no i wouldn't i'd use what's there because they're probably busy enough as it is mm. it's very odd behavior isn't it very odd behavior yeah Manuel! i don't quite understand this where is the post office uh it's there where it says post office i'm sorry if it's confusing no. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. pee off yeah, you've used the abbreviation. Ah, the penny's dropped. Yeah, well, I thought it said boff. Of course. Yes, and I thought that boff was a locale, you see, a name of a district, you see. Mm. That P looks like a B. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does, a little loop on Excuse the me, bottom of it. Excuse me, that was a P or a B? <laughs> uh, there, there, does it say boff or does it say poff? Well, there, there, it's a P, isn't it? I suppose so. P off. A big off. P off. P off? Who ever heard of a post office? Nine? What? Room nine. Room seven. Uh, Manuel, would you take these cases to room seven, please? Okay. <laughs> he thinks Boff is a locale. He thinks what? You know, some zone, some uh, province in equatorial Turkey. <laughs> Manuel, we'll uh, show you to your room, if you're lucky. Excuse me, excuse me. Uh, in how many minutes does luncheon commence, please? Twelve. Here, I'll write it down for you. Manuel! This goes back and forth with the misunderstandings over the P and the B and all that sort of stuff. And then eventually we get to the stage where Manuel makes his first appearance on the episode. And Manuel is uh, told to take the bags up to room seven. And Basil has made little signs for Manuel. It's almost like he's given up now on trying to communicate with him in in Manuel's broken English and uh, Basil's terrible Spanish. And he's got a little picture of a suitcase and a little arrow, and a, a sign that says number seven, so Manuel can pick up on that straight away. What did you think of this twist, where he's, not, he's trying now not to even talk to Manuel? Um, I don't know, because, I, I mean, you don't expect Basil to be so smart, I guess, because it's Basil, but then he is kind of actually being smart so he doesn't have to then stand there and argue with Manuel trying to get him to understand. So I think it's definitely... Mm changing Basil's character but then again I just find it quite stereotypical where it's like the language barriers mm. yeah okay I get you I get you I suppose it's born it, I suppose in a way it's it's a clever solution to a problem but the problem has been born by his own laziness yes I mean we've seen him we haven't really seen him be lazy over the last couple of episodes. It's more his wife, but to see him be lazy is like a different changing character for him. So it's definitely mm. something new we haven't seen in the last three episodes. So it's nice to see a bit of diversity in the character. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And I suppose as well, 
I mean, with regards to Manuel, he is willing, isn't he? That's the one thing that I always find with the character. He's 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 very willing. He he wants to impress Basil. He wants to do well at his job, and ultimately, he wants to learn English. So it's not like this use of signs has come from an issue with Manuel himself, because he is he is trying to learn English, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. No. There we go. Um, we have a little bit more interaction between. Basil and Sybil, and Basil refers to her in a very affectionate tone of voice. He refers to Sybil as his little nest of vipers, which tickled me. I thought that was such an underhanded compliment. Well, not even a compliment, really. I guess it was. It was quite funny. I mean, the way he said it comes across as a compliment, but what he actually said is completely different. I just thought it was quite. <laughs> just... Yeah. For coming from Basil, who we've seen is quite over the place for him to have a smart comment like that again it just adds to the diversity of the character and i thought it was a well-written line yeah i i really liked it i really liked it and to be fair if you imagine a little nest of vipers as, as what they would actually look like you know kind of hissing a little bit and uh, maybe you know the, the teeth there and so on and, and quite venomous it's a pretty accurate description of his wife i think <laughs> i mean if your eyesight's a bit blurry, then yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sybil explains that Audrey was on the phone, which she always bloody is, let's be honest. And, oh, I know. <laughs> and Audrey has told Sybil that there are hotel inspectors in town. There's a group of three of them, and they're going around to different places and so on. Somebody overheard this in a bar somewhere uh, as these guys were sat comparing notes, apparently. So <laughs> Mr. Hutchinson then straight after this information is passed on to Basil, Mr. Hutchinson arrives back at reception, rings the bell, despite Basil being stood right there, and starts ranting on about a documentary on BBC Two that he wants to watch. He wants to pre-book or reserve the television channel BBC Two from this time to this time for this television feast, as he words it. And, I mean, he's just a bit of a knobhead, isn't he? Let's be honest. Manuel! You do that in a moment, please. I'm on the telephone. Well, you haven't finished dialing yet, have you? Now listen. <laughs> there is a documentary on BBC Two this evening about Squawking Bird, the leader of the Blackfoot Indians in the late 1860s. Now this starts at 8:45 and goes on for approximately three quarters of an hour. What are you talking to me? Indeed I am. Yes. Now is it possible for me to reserve the BBC Two channel for the duration of this televisual feast? Why don't you talk properly? <laughs> I beg your pardon? No, it isn't. What? It is not possible to reserve the BBC Two channel from the commencement of this television feast until the moment of the termination of its ending. Thank you so much. Oh, well, might I suggest then that you introduce such a scheme? No. <laughs> Manuel! Yeah, you can tell that that character is very, again, prude. He thinks he needs everything and everyone's going to do it for him. Yeah, yeah, you spot on. I mean, there's one moment as well, not long after he, he first books in, where Mr. Hutchinson goes through to like the bar bit, right round the corner, you know? Yeah. And and he says to Basil, um, if anyone wants me, I'll be in the lounge. And even Basil's like, what do you mean if anyone wants you? Who the, who the hell are you? Why would anyone want to? Do you know what I mean? Like he is a big celebrity of some description, I guess. Yeah, I mean, just the way he acts, thinking that if he asks for it, he's automatically going to get it, even though you don't normally get a handwritten map at a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
So he definitely thinks he's better than everyone else. So it gives the impression that he is like a hotel inspector. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It does. It. He's got that kind of air to him, hasn't he? He's a bit snootish, a bit, and it, it almost like a sense of entitlement, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, whilst they're discussing the documentary, Basil actually gets the idea in his head that this guy must be one of the hotel inspectors. So even though Mr. Hutchinson is quite obnoxious, quite rude, quite demanding, and just a bit of an odd guy as well, Basil then effectively for the rest of the episode has to play up to Mr. Hutchinson because he wants a good review in the magazine or book about his hotel. Because, I mean, you, you bear in mind this is obviously way, way, way before the internet and so on. So reviews, especially somewhere like, like say, a Torquay, which is, you know, hotels and B&Bs everywhere. It's a, big, it's, it's a holiday destination here in the UK. There's a lot of competition. So reviews in, you know, the printed press back in those days were make or break for some businesses, aren't you? Mm, well, especially when you think back in the 70s, they wouldn't have had a lot of abroad holidays thinking like, completely different to our holidays now where most people go abroad so Torquay and Cornwall in that area were a proper holiday for most British families so you want to make a good impression yeah yeah I mean you did you, I, I think you've always had people going abroad of course you have I mean I think Spain was a big destination uh, for for many years for many for many families and so on but yeah I mean when it comes to holidaying in the UK Torquay is one of the first places that kind of the name pops into your head doesn't it yeah definitely hmm yeah. Uh, Basil has already told Mr. Hutchinson that lunch is at a certain time. But now he thinks he's the inspector. He decides, right, I'll open up early for lunch. You can have what you want. He's proper trying to pander to this guy and, and sort of bending over backwards for him. Uh, at one stage as well, Mr. Hutchinson rather randomly asks if there is a table tennis table. He says, I, I heard you have a table tennis table. Is this is this available to use? And Basil actually responds with the line, it's not in mint condition, but it's available in case of emergencies. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, first of all, I mean, first of all, Basil Fawlty, oh, John Cleese, sorry, actually said that that's his, his favorite line in any episode of Fawlty Towers. He said, because it's just so weird and crazy. He loved it. Um, but also, and I suppose it plays into what John Cleese has said, what kind of emergency would require a table tennis table? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, what I can't think of any emergency that's ever going to need a, like a tennis table. Yeah. <laughs> just a random line ever, but it just is funny because it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, but again, he's, he's, I suppose it stems from him trying to suck up to this guy, doesn't it? But it is just so just random and silly and daft, but it tickles me anyway. It tickles me. Uh, the the supposed inspector, Mr. Hutchinson, uh, asks for a Spanish omelette for his lunch. He wants to know that everything in the omelette is fresh. Basil says that, yes, it is. And he, you know, Mr. Hutchinson says, what about the peas? And he's very, very focused on the peas. But again, it comes down to this guy being a bit of an oddball, I think. He, he sort of focuses in on specific, very you know, tiny little specifics. And he, he mentions that the peas need to be fresh she only eats fresh vegetables basil explains well they were fresh when they were frozen which again tickled me a little bit because if they're frozen they're obviously not fresh are they <laughs> who gets funny about peas peas are peas well this is it this is it and he's very uh 
<laughs> he's very particular, isn't he? Let's be honest. He's very particular and uh, and just a bit of a bloody nuisance, really. You know, but um, that's what I suppose is the, the the need of the character to make the scenes work. But I mean, also, I'm fairly certain. I, I don't know what goes into a Spanish omelette, but I'm fairly certain peas does not. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't expect peas in an omelette unless you know you're drunk at four a.m. making your own random food. That you would know nothing about, obviously, my daughter, would you? Um, sure. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, <laughs> with the uh, the you know obviously earth shattering news to Mister Hutchinson that the peas are frozen, he cancels his omelette and he wants a cheese salad instead. And we get another little odd trait of this guy, I suppose. He wants two drinks brought to the table. He wants a ginger beer. But he also requires fresh water. Very <laughs> odd way to ask, isn't it? Does, does he want it out of the sky or out of the sea or something? Fresh water is literally coming from the <laughs> water. Does he want them to climb into a mountain and get it for him? Like it's just very odd. Yeah, very. But again, I think that's the beauty of this episode, and why why I, I enjoy it, and why I know some other people do. Maybe not yourself so much, but the guy is such an oddball, and because. Basil has completely the wrong idea. He has to really suck up to this weirdo, basically. And I think that's kind of the dynamic they're going for, you know? Mm, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Manuel, we find out here, is homesick. He, he's pining for Barcelona. He says there is not enough sun here. It's not good for him, which is uh, you know, a bit of a shame. When is there ever sun in the UK, let's be honest? He's... <laughs> I mean, don't blame him for wanting more sun. Well, this is true. We get a couple of days a year, maybe. But uh, maybe they've already happened in 1975 and he's back into the dark times. I don't know. But um, (laughs) uh, Mr. Hutchinson is called away because there is a telephone call for him at the desk. To which case Manuel then places a different guest on the same table. And that guest orders some different food. I think it's a pate and lamb stew or lamb casserole or something like that. Uh, And then there's chaos ensues when basil returns to the room and sees somebody else sat at the hotel inspector's desk uh, sorry at the hotel inspector's dining table he shunts him off elsewhere which is something we saw in a previous episode Anya, isn't it with confusion as to who's sitting where when he's trying to impress like the major and all that sort of stuff and bumping people all over the place i guess yeah it's just i think it's going to be an ongoing thing in this two seasons that it has where he just constantly wants the best customer to have the best experience. And if you're, you're sat at a nice page and you're not as good as this other person, you are getting moved if you like it or not. I think you've worded that brilliantly there. I think that is spot on the money. If you're not as good as that person. Basil, in in Basil's eyes, there are certain people that are superior, I think, that he wants to worry about. He wants to keep an eye on and he wants to impress and I think that's your spot on the money there with regards to people being viewed as better than others in Basil's eyes, maybe. Mm. The ginger beer that Mr. Hutchinson has is tepid, apparently, um, as opposed to, you know, not being cold or not being chilled. Or apparently, again, Mr. Hutchinson, a little bit of an oddball, explains it as being tepid and requires an ice bucket for what is an incredibly small bottle of ginger beer that he's already half poured out as well. He's going to put it on ice now, which again, seems very odd, but again, it's just another little 
oddity to this guy's behaviours, isn't it, I think? Yeah, it's just everything has to be perfect, but his perfect is different to a normal person's perfect. Shall we go with it? Yeah, he's very demanding indeed. Uh, whilst this is going on, Basil is serving the second customer that arrived earlier on in the episode, and he has asked for a particular uh, year of wine. Basil this this did make me laugh basil really struggles to open this bottle of wine and from that he also displays that he has no knowledge of wine at all but basil being basil doesn't admit he knows nothing he would rather just try and blag it and gets it all wrong gets it all terribly wrong yes Uh, he can't get the cork out first of all can he no it's not basil unless basil embarrasses himself he can't get the cork out of one bottle uh, and there's a moment where they're tipping the bottle over the glass and nothing's coming out because the cork is still inside the bottle of wine then he manages to get part of it out so a tiny trickle comes out and apparently a great deal of this scene on you um what i found out today we're looking through various things for the podcast a great deal of this scene was improvised between john cleese and and the other actor with him and they only had loose dialogue because they didn't really know what the wine was going to do, how much of it would come out with regards to Basil, you know, hitting a corkscrew into it and, and all that sort of stuff. They kind of made this up on the fly in front of the live studio audience. I think that takes quite a skill. That improv throughout the last couple of essays have been amazing. So we'll give them that. Mm. Yes. Eventually the wine is opened and Basil pours a glass for his customer and the customer turns around and says, the wine is corked. Which obviously we know, meaning that it's reacted with with the cork, it's reacted with the seal of the bottle, and has turned the wine bad. And Basil's there saying, "No, the wine's not corked. I've opened it." Completely misunderstanding the and making himself look like a jackass. Yeah, I mean, is it really Basil if he doesn't make himself look like a jackass? Let's be honest. Well, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> Manuel. I uh, now congratulate you on your choice. Yes, excuse me. Yes? I'm afraid this is corked. I just uncorked it. Didn't you see me? <laughs> what? Look. No, no. No, you said I took it out of the bottle. That's how I managed to get the wine out of the bottle into your glass. I don't mean that. I mean the wine is corked. The wine has reacted with the cork. I'm sorry? The wine has reacted with the cork and gone bad. Gone bad? May I? I'd like a bottle that right, isn't Right, that's cost me, hasn't it? Well, never mind, I'll get you another bottle. I do hope you're all enjoying our meals. I said I hope you're all enjoying our meals. Thank you, thank you. Excuse me. Excuse me, table five? Yes? Are you having the lamb or the mackerel? The lamb. I'll have another one standing by, just in case. Manuel! He goes off to get another bottle for the uh, for the gentleman. And whilst this is happening, Sybil um, calls Basil out to explain that Mr. Hutchinson is not an inspector. He actually just sells spoons. I say just sells spoons. I don't want to be disrespectful to any spoon salesman out there, of course. I mean, spoons are important. How else would you eat your soup? But um, <laughs> he, he's a, he, he sells cutlery. He sells spoons. He's not an inspector. So Basil is then having a little bit of a rant. He's quite cross because he's been sucking up to this guy. But at the same time, man, yeah, I don't... 
I don't think you can blame Mr. Hutchinson for this because he's never once given Basil. He's never once told Basil he's an inspector, has he? No. I mean, just the way he came across and the timing of Basil finding out there was inspectors in town, I don't blame Basil for thinking he's an inspector either, to be honest. So mm. He's just completely got the wrong end of the stick, which happens on a regular basis. But Mr. Hutchinson is just a, just a customer who's a bit of a knobhead. He's not lied to Basil. He's not told Basil he's an inspector. No. I mean... I think it's a miscommunication on both sides. So Basil obviously thought he was an inspector, and then the Mr. Hutchinson came across kind of like an inspector would. Mm. But obviously he had no idea why Basil was acting the way Basil was. Yes. Yeah, I get yeah. Okay. We then get, I suppose, two two gags that kind of run for a period of the episode with regards to the food being bought out and the wine with the second customer on the other table because Manuel has already fetched the customer another bottle of wine and opened it. Basil doesn't know. He goes back and opens another bottle of wine. So this expensive-ish, Basil hints at it being an expensive bottle of wine. He's opened now three or four of them for the same customer just because there's a bit of confusion here. Uh, He actually calls Manuel because of this and donks him straight on the forehead with a spoon. Now, that noise was bad, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. Not the best. Yeah, you can see why uh, poor Manuel came away from these recordings battered and bruised. Um, (laughs) Polly... Yeah, yeah, definitely poor mama. Um, Polly brings the omelette out, and then we get an interaction back and forth there because, of course, the customer has asked for a cheese salad instead. Um, Pate then arrives for Mr. Hutchinson because this was the order placed on that table by the previous customer before Basil got all daft and hoity and moved him. Lots of arguing back and forth, back and forth. But the, <laughs> Manuel's opened more wine. Um, at this point, Basil stabs Manuel in the ass with a corkscrew <laughs> as he's running away and he gives a funny yelp and a jump which was which was quite amusing he then calls him back again just to slap him and send him away so he's taking a proper pasting again in this episode Manuel isn't he just poor Manuel just wants to learn English and make money and he's getting abused by um, Basil yeah he takes a pasting he takes a pasting <laughs> we then get something that I really enjoyed because Basil then realises he's, I mean, he's very cross with Mr. Hutchinson, even though it's not Mr. Hutchinson's fault, really, that he believed he was an inspector. So he starts treating Mr. Hutchinson a bit more rudely. And of course, Mr. Hutchinson is already a bit of a knobhead. When he starts getting treated rudely, he acts even worse. And then Basil realises that the other guy, Mr. Walt, is the inspector, or so he thinks. And he is seeing Basil arguing with this other customer. So Basil has to try and cover his tracks again, so to speak. And at one point, he's told Mr. Hutchinson to shut up. Now, Polly comes over, and we get a whole thing. And I'm really interested to know what you think of this, because I know you said that you weren't fond of everybody shouting back and forth and so on. And that's one of the things that you disliked about this episode. This particular scene here where Mr. Hutchinson sat down at the table and Polly one side with Basil the other and they're trying to make out that Basil told Polly to shut up whilst looking at Mr. Richardson, Mr. Hutchinson, sorry. And to do that, they start looking at each other and talking to different people and back and forth, back and forth, whilst Mr. Hutchinson's head kind of spins back and forth in the middle. 
I enjoyed this. I thought this was funny. What did you think about this scene? Manuel! <laughs> oh, no, no, for goodness sake, no. What is it? I did not order a lamb casserole. No, he didn't. He did not order one, Polly, so why has he got one? Because Mrs. Foley told me to give him one. I know how she feels. I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> Who took the order? I don't know. Manuel! I mean, look, how can, it be, how can it be so difficult to get a cheese salad? You want to run the place? No, no, no I just right, want well, a cheese salad. Shut up, then. I beg your pardon. I'll get you a cheese salad. Mr. And don't listen to anyone, just get him a cheese salad. What? See? Ah! Excuse me. I've changed my mind. I do not want the cheese salad. I wish to cancel it. I'm not used to being spoken to like that, Mr. Fawlty. And I've no wish to continue my lunch. Well, I do apologise if what I said just now seemed a trifle brusque. Brusque? It was rude, Mr. Fawlty. I said rude. Well, I'm deeply sorry if it came over like that. I mean, nothing could have been further from my mind. You told me to shut up. No, no, he told me to shut up. You what? He said it to me. Oh, no, I was uh, looking at you, but I was talking to Polly, wasn't I, Polly? Oh, yes. Uh, did you notice then that I was looking at you but talking to her? What? You see, he was looking at you but talking to me, wasn't he? Wasn't I? What? So you weren't being rude, were you, Mr. Fawlty? Absolutely not. You see? Me? Yes? Yeah, but if you say shut up to somebody, that's the one you want to shut up, isn't it? Well, not necessarily. I'm sorry, were you talking to me? Yes. I beg your pardon. Ah, <laughs> oh, there, you see how easily these misunderstandings occur? Oh, yes, I do. So, one uh, cheese salad then, please, Polly? Yes. Certainly, Mr. Hutchison. And if there's anything else, please don't hesitate to ask. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Manuel! I did think this scene was quite good, just the way, obviously, they played off each other again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if it was just a scene where they were shouting over each other, it would have been okay. But then, like, when you go further into the episode, there's still just a lot of shouting. I just thought that was just a bit over the top. I know most of the show is over the top anyway, but I thought it was just a little too much shouting and it was just hard to kind of concentrate when there is that much going on. Okay, so it's it's from a uh, a concentration standpoint, is it? Is it is it difficult? I suppose it's not just people shouting; they're shouting over each other as well, aren't they? Mm. Uh, not necessarily this scene here. I'm talking maybe a bit later on when we get a few more arguments and so on, and they're shouting back and forth. And I mean, uh, people who listen to to any of my other shows will know that I'm a big wrestling fan, uh, and people you know who who know me online are aware that I have podcasts about wrestling as well. One of the things that you tend to find in like a wrestling promo is that they will take it in turns arguing with each other. So yeah. wrestler A will say, I'm going to beat you at such and such. Wrestler B will wait for him to finish and then respond. And that's how, especially with WWE, WWF, that's how these things are structured. Real people don't argue like that. But for the purpose of the television show, for the purpose of the wrestling, that's how they have to structure these discussions. Here, it's the opposite for me because they're shouting over the top of each other, which would be more like how a real argument would happen. But I get your point of it's more dif- maybe more difficult to follow. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it's definitely more difficult for me to follow like what's actually going on. So at the end of that scene, I was kind of like, so what actually happened? Like, it's just hard to keep on top of who's saying what to who's saying back to what it's like even that confused me so watching that scene confused me even more okay that's really interesting and again this is one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on for a couple of episodes of the show because i know you've not seen this before and it's you know very old television in comparison to what you watch normally and same with scottish danny for the first couple of episodes i find the the opinions of people 
who have new eyes on something that I've watched for years, I find their opinions fascinating because they are literally looking with, with brand new eyes, of course. So hearing that, I, I get what you mean. I'm not a big fan of when it all starts shouting, getting louder and louder and louder. And it's a bit, uh, the chaos I enjoy because I think John Cleese as Basil Fawlty in, in the middle of everything being chaotic is, is, is great. I think he really comes into his own there, but you can't understand what everyone is saying to each other if they're all shouting at the same time. So yeah, I kind of get where you're coming from, to be honest. It's just a lot to follow at one time. It's just a lot going on, and especially with me, who struggles to concentrate anyway. Trying to concentrate on that when there's so much going on is quite difficult. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, doke. Uh, Manuel has come back in to clear some plates, and this I thought was fantastic. He's, cu- he's crouched down. So Basil can't swing for him. He's using one arm to cover his head so he can't get hit. The other arm to cover his backside so he can't get jabbed with a, cork, a corkscrew again. And he's kind of making this weird squeaky noise as he's scurrying around half crouched down. And again, it just makes me realise how brilliant this guy is. Oh, I love Manuel. Who doesn't love Manuel? Mm, exactly. And Basil then is taking his attention over to uh, Mr. Walt to try and impress him because he now thinks he is the inspector, and we get a cheesy, shit-eating grin from Basil at the other customer when he's trying to impress him. Uh, And this is whilst Mr. Hutchinson is having a massive rant. And again, there's no good guys, bad guys, I suppose, but if you're going to point the finger, Mr. Hutchinson here is is the bad guy of the situation. He's been rude, he's been obnoxious, he's been difficult to deal with. But at the same time, it's a service industry. Basil has been now quite rude to him, and I think he's kind of got a reason to be cross about his lunch because he changed his order. He's had an omelette brought out to him twice. He's had a, a lamb casserole brought out to him, which he didn't order uh, and all this sort of stuff. I can kind of, I mean, if I was hungry and waiting for my lunch, I'd be a little bit pissed off. Oh yeah. I'd get hungry hundred percent. Right. But at the same time, he's still a knobhead, isn't he? Oh yeah. I mean, that's hungry, and then there's just being rude. And for someone who has worked and now work again in a restaurant, if a customer was to be that rude to me, I'd be like, yeah, you can deal with my manager now before I get rude back to you. Because in, in that industry, you can't really get rude to customers like that. No, you're right. And it is difficult. And I, I always I always feel for people who work in these roles, you know, who get abused by customers and so on. I think it's, it, it is disgusting. But at the same time, this guy is a dick. And uh, <laughs> I think if that if I was serving that customer or a customer like that, I would ask them to leave because no, no hospitality worker should have to deal with that. Mm, yeah yeah i mean there's there's trying to do what the customer wants and make them happy and then there's just being you know having to deal with people like that i get you i get you uh basil then basically this bit gets a bit over the top for me he he basically he almost chokes the guy out yes he tries to explain that a bit of cheese has gone down the wrong way, so they need to get him out to to make sure he's okay. But Basil's covering his mouth because Mr. Hutchinson is ranting. This ends up with Mr. Hutchinson basically passing out, and Manuel and Basil carry him into the bar area. As this is going on, Mr. Hutchinson, sorry, Mr. Hutchinson's in the bar area. As this is going on, Mr. Walt comes out and is talking to Basil, and Basil's. <laughs> 
basically trying to pass off this interaction and all the craziness with Mr. Hutchinson as he's a regular customer. He likes us to do this kind of thing. And again, it's just one of those moments where it's so ridiculous and such a crazy statement, but you almost think he gets away with it. (laughs) I mean, I think it's just a bit over the top. Did you really need to choke your customer out? No, but Mm. I guess it just adds to the storyline of this episode. Yeah, and it's, it's the escalation again, isn't it, with Basil? Every episode we see him in, he starts off in one mood and slowly escalates into this crazy, chaotic figure who has just lost all control. And I think this kind of adds to that. Uh, Mr. Hutchinson does get his own back, though, doesn't he? Because he gives Basil a bit of a pasting. Mm, yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. If I got pa- If I got choked out and passed out, I would knock the other person out as well so i completely understand where he's coming from yeah uh, and that's of course when he tries to explain it as, as a regular customer who's just being silly and this is what they enjoy and so on basil then offers uh, uh, the other guest dinner that night to not write about it and then dinner tomorrow night and then he starts offering him 50 pounds 60 pounds he's desperate for this not to make it into the magazine or book that they're writing Manuel! You won't mention it, will you? We'd love to offer you dinner here tonight as our guest to show our gratitude. What? A dinner tonight, would you? Would you? No, I can't tonight. Uh, thank you. Tomorrow night? I should be leaving tomorrow. I'm sorry. All right, 50 pounds then. <laughs> your pardon? 50 pounds, not to mention it. 50 pounds? So 60. Not to write about it, you know, I mean, articles, books, letters. Well, I'm afraid I really don't. Oh, please. It's taken us 12 years to build this place up. Don't put this in the book. We're finished if you don't. Please don't. Book? What book? The hotel guy. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have mentioned it. Oh, what have I done? (laughs) You've got me confused with someone else. (laughs) I'm I'm nothing to do with any hotel guide. I'm down here for the exhibition. I sell outboard motors. All right? No. Not on the side. No. I swear to God. Yeah, I tell you, I've, I've nothing to do with oh, it. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, I don't know how I, I can ever. Never... Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Twenty-six bedrooms, twelve with private bathrooms. Yes. Well, why don't you have dinner here, and um, Chris and I can try the Claremont. Okay. The other's one, Basil Fawlty. Uh, uh, please, uh, senor, uh, Mr. Uh, Fawlty wants to say adios. He wants to... Bo- no, no, no! Oh! Gentlemen, and what can I do for you three gentlemen? Mr. Walt explains that he's not a hotel inspector. Don't worry, and Basil seems almost relieved at this news. He then gets his own back on Mr. Hutchinson, because as Mr. Hutchinson is, Hutchinson is leaving, Manuel comes out and, and tells him to wait because uh, Mr. Faulty wants to say adios, to which case Basil comes out and 
slaps a couple of custard pies in the guy's face and chest and stomach and all this sort of stuff. Walks over to the counter to be greeted by three gentlemen, who obviously is the correct number for the inspectors. And these are the inspectors. They're talking on the way in to make it obvious to the audience that these are the hotel inspectors. Basil is talking away and says, yes, what can I get you three gentlemen? And he twigs and screams, and that's the end of the episode. So even when the hotel inspectors have arrived, they've witnessed Basil smashing a guest in the face of a pie. I mean, Basil should have known from the start that there was three hotel inspectors and there's only the two people that he thought were were on their own solo so i mean kind of brought it on himself but it is basil after all so we'll let him off yeah yeah i mean on one hand i suppose the 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 second misunderstanding uh with the wine drinking guest he did explain he's in town with two other people for business. So mm-hmm. I can understand that. But with Mr. Hutchinson, he's he's just got the wrong end of the stick altogether, hasn't he? But that's yeah. kind of the end of the episode there. That's kind of where we leave it for another week. Um, overall, then, Anya, to sum up, I know it's you know television you wouldn't necessarily watch without me prompting you to go and check it out. We've had two episodes now. You say you say you watched the first two episodes that Scottish Danny covered with us, and yeah. you've also obviously watched these two episodes to talk about it on the show here. With what you have seen, um, because you know, hopefully you you will still rejoin us for an episode of of season two in in future weeks. But for now, from what you have seen, what are your thoughts on Faulty Towers so far as a show in general? I mean this. It's a good show, but for someone of my generation, I don't think it would be a go-to, like I said last episode. I mean, this episode's definitely changed my perspective on it, where we've got a bit more diversity in the characters now, and a bit more, not escalation as such, but you see a different side to them. So it's, a, it's you're going to see, oh, what's going to happen next episode? Like, is there going to be more to add to the character? So the last three episodes, I think all the characters kind of had the same sort of repeating of what their characters do and their personalities. But this one has shown, like, a different side to them. So it's definitely a bit more intriguing for me, but it's still not something I'd go and watch. I'd, like, prefer to go watch NCIS than Foxy Towers, so... Mm. Okay, interesting. I mean, there's... I suppose from that aspect, the beauty of the show is that there's not much of it. So it's very easy for somebody to watch pretty much all of it and not take up too much time in their life because there isn't, they they didn't make many. There are episodes coming up, the Waldorf salad one. Um, There's episodes coming up with regards to the Germans uh, who stay at the hotel that are just iconic I mean, you, I know you're a big fan of Only Fools and Horses. You get certain moments in Only Fools and Horses that are iconic, like when, when Delboy falls through the bar, for example, yeah. and he's out drinking with Trigger. Or Rodney Plunker. Exactly. Now, the the Waldorf salad episode and the the Germans thing in the hotel, and, and various others as well. I'm not going to list them all now. But there are, these moments are up there as iconic as the uh, certain aspects of Only Fools and Horses. And, and spoken about on various you know publications and tv shows as being in that bracket as well so i'll be interested to see what you think of some of these uh later date but um ultimately anya thank you so so much for for joining me again that's right as terminator says i will be back
I'm very glad. I'm very glad. I will look forward to picking an episode for you myself rather than just you grabbing a couple that are in the order we're looking at them at and uh, getting you to have a little look at something from season two as well. I'll look forward to you coming back and reviewing that. Hopefully you're still check out a few other episodes if you ever get a spare half hour or nothing to do and uh, let me know your thoughts via whatsapp or whatever i'm excited to see what progresses hopefully it changes my opinion and i'll be able to watch it and enjoy it so we'll see excellent stuff excellent stuff and with regards to myself if you are enjoying this show then there's plenty more available via the network that carries this show at sjp world media on facebook and twitter is where you can find the uh, links to all the shows that the network has this show itself you can follow on twitter at farty towels pod that's at farty towels pod make sure you go and check out all the shows sjp world media have as i mentioned before big wrestling fan there's plenty of wrestling content on there nostalgia based stuff and modern day as well uh, there's also more shows covering television an old bbc drama called murder in mind that i do with our good friend morty there there's a show covering classic and new doctor who the doctor who pod with the always brilliant dan griffin uh, there's a show looking at quantum leap if you remember that old program the waiting room podcast with benny mac there's so much going on so much there just go and check it out follow us on social media subscribe like all that good stuff on all your podcast players as well and yeah just make sure you're following us at sjp world media and at farty towels pod and yeah i will speak to you again very very soon thank you for having me and to everybody else as always thank you for listening